If you've got your Bible with you today, uh, I want you to go with me to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. And let's go ahead and take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much for this time we have together now. We believe that you're at work. We believe that you're doing great things in our lives. We believe that you're faithful to your word to perform it in us. And today we ask that you give us understanding, greater revelation, knowledge of truth that makes us free and enables us and helps us to make others free. Thank you for the life of God that works in us now as we bring the life of God to the lives of all those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been in a series, as many of you are aware, called One by One. And, and without going back over all those, uh, just as, uh, I just know that it's the heart of God that people be saved, that people come into a living relationship with Him. And so we're making sure that our focus and our attention is on the main thing and on those things that matter most. And uh, it's my goal and desire for you and for me, for each and every one of us to individually impact another person, bring them to a place of the new birth, and bring them into a place where they are, where they have become a disciple of the Lord, a disciplined follower of the Lord. And so, uh, praise God. Amen. I know a lot of you have, have a desire to do the will of God. You're, like the psalmist said, uh, you delight to do His will. And, and I, in, in this process, am endeavoring to help you with empowerment, with encouragement, with inspiration uh, to get something done. Because somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody helped you get, get walking with the Lord so you could learn how to walk by faith. And we're going to help somebody else do the same thing. Amen. I believe it's at the heart of every child of God. All right. We may have pushed it aside. We may have, uh, you know, squelched it at times because of lack of knowledge or lack of confidence. Uh, however, it's still there. And the Lord wants to use you to eternally impact the life of another person. Isn't that good news? I mean, what a privilege. What an honor. And so we're going to step up to the plate. We're going to get this thing done. And, uh, and many of you, we've already been praying and believing God for specific people, for the gospel to come to their, to their hearts and their minds so they might uh, come to know Him. And we're going to continue with that. Now, my focus today is in one element of this. I know this keeps some people from ever really doing something for God. And that's because they're shy, they're timid, they're fearful. And so I want to talk to you about being bold in the name of the Lord. Amen? And being bold, a bold witness for the Lord Jesus. Uh, this is what we need in the church today, bold Christians. Those who will fearlessly obey God and accomplish great things. Again and again in the book of Acts, we see how they would boldly proclaim the gospel of God's grace. And when they did so, great things transpired. I don't mean it's an automatic that everyone's going to immediately respond uh, in the positive way, just like we uh, have seen in the Bible that sometimes there was a riot, sometimes there was a revival, sometimes there was, uh, you know, people just giving their hearts to the Lord saying, what must we do to be saved? Other times, you know, they'd get upset, <laughs> they'd get angry with those who were sharing, and so this is the real thing. Uh, I'm just glad we can't be ignored. 
Amen. When we're, when we're preaching the real gospel under the power of God, we're really endeavoring to change people's lives. We have substance. That's why it's hard to ignore. Okay. The fact that many in media and many in politics these days are very anti-Christian and they're very coming against those who live the Christian life and, and serve the Lord. Well, that's just because it rubs them the wrong way. I mean, I've, in, in, a, in a brief statement, it, it really it affects people. They either yield and are happy, wow, and are glad, and their lives are changed forever, or they resist and sometimes become ugly, and sometimes ugly towards us, but it's worth it. It really is. It's worth it. I'm going to risk you coming against me for the chance that you might accept my Savior, and you'll be thanking me forever. It's like, you know, and not that I'm the source. You don't want to know what I'm talking about. Uh, We come into the kingdom of God through other people. Praise the Lord. And so talking about boldness. Timidity does not produce miracle power. But those who know their rights as a child of God will get the job done. I've recognized this in my own life, in ministry, that when I've proclaimed something in a bold, unapologetic way and declared what was right and declared what would happen, that I found God backs me up. But if I just give suggestions, why don't you try this? Why don't you give this a shot? You know, it doesn't seem to carry as much weight. And I know sometimes people, you know, I've seen the bumper stickers that say, try God, you know, and if you don't like him, the devil will take you back. You know, have you ever seen those? (laughs) And I'm okay with that for those, for some people that, you know, whatever gets them thinking. But I know for me, I'm not to be about trying stuff. At you as a believer, we need to get beyond, I'm going to try the word, or I'm going to try to share, I'm going to try to live a good life. Knock off trying, and let's be doing, all right? Here's how it works. We get convinced in our hearts that something is right, something is true, and then we live that way. We act on it, fully expecting, without hesitation, God to be there to back it up every time, all right? This is the kind of life that produces things. This is the kind of approach that God can work with. Amen. Amen. We get full of something and live it out and spill it out and share it. Amen. And so we want to live this way. Daniel 11 and verse 32. 11, 32. says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who do who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. What kind of people will carry out great exploits? The Bible says those who know their God. What kind of people are strong? Those who know their God. There's something valuable about knowing something. You know, I remember uh, years ago we had this cat and... Uh, uh, well, on the way home one day, we lived out in the country, and uh, we, we pulled into the garage and went into the kitchen through the back, and, and I walked into the kitchen, and there was this mouse sitting right on the kitchen floor, just right in the middle, just sitting there. And, uh, and so I'm, I see this mouse, and he's not running away. I didn't know if he was, like, scared, you know, paralyzed and f- with fear, <laughs> knowing that he was in trouble. <laughs> he did not knock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he was sitting there on the floor, and he wasn't moving, so I went and got a cup and got him, and got him in the cup, because, like I said, we had a cat. <laughs> if you're a mouse lover, uh, 
you better just plug your ears. <laughs> anyway, the cat was then on in the back backyard on the back porch there. We had some steps, and the cat was sitting there on the steps. And I thought, okay, there's the cat. I got the mouse. So I opened the door, and the cat was sitting there. And I poured out the, I put the mouse there right next to the cat. And what was amazing, I was sure, I was sure wish I had a camera handy. They were just sitting there, cat <laughs> and mouse. Neither of them were moving, even for. I thought, look at this. This is a great picture. Almost like they were friends. But the thing was, the cat didn't know the mouse was there. He was just looking around until finally the mouse twitched and it was all over. (laughs) Wham! I won't go on any further. But how many understand the way a person lives and acts is greatly connected to what they know? There are many things that believers live without because they just don't simply know that it's theirs. They don't know the Lord has provided it. They don't know that it's sitting right next to them. And sometimes people will never get involved in changing another life, maybe because they don't know they're supposed to. Maybe they don't know how. Maybe they don't know what to say and what to do. But again, it's a paralyzing condition when you don't know what, what it is you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to say. And so, again, the Scripture said, but those who know, those who know their God, they're the ones who are strong and who will do great exploits. And so I want to help you to know some things. I want to stir up your knowledge so we can act on what we have, okay? Uh, Proverbs 28, if you would turn over there with me this morning, I want to give you three keys to walking in boldness. Three keys to walking in boldness. In Proverbs, the 28th chapter, and the very first verse, the Scripture says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I want you to notice here what produces boldness. But imagine this. A wicked person, what does their life look like? They are running from nothing. They flee, they are running, and nobody's even after them. What sense does that make? That is what is produced by a sin consciousness. If you're wicked and know it, you're afraid. You're timid. You know you deserve bad. You know that something's coming. There are a lot of people that really expect bad things to happen in life. I mean, they're almost surprised when things work out. Why? That's a sin consciousness. They live with an awareness. There's something wrong with me. There's something bad about my life. Therefore, I'm expecting bad things to come, even when nothing's there. And they're running from nothing. I mean, what would you think if you saw someone running down the street? And they're running right towards you, and they're running, they're looking back, and there's nothing behind them. Say, excuse me, what are you running from? Well, I'm wicked. That's what I do. I run from nothing. But look at the opposite now. The righteous, what are they? They're just the opposite of that. They're bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. Think about the lion in the jungle. He's the king, man. Not afraid of anything. And this describes the righteous condition. I remember hearing about the missionary who was in the jungle. And uh, he was um, uh, walking along, you know, ministering to the tribes. And this lion came at him. 
and this, and this ferocious lion. And he's like, oh, yikes. And so he immediately prays and said, Lord, I pray that this is a Christian lion. I want this to be a saved lion. And, uh, and the good news is his prayer was immediately answered. That lion came right up to him and stopped and bowed its knee and said, thank you, Lord, for this food I'm about to eat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> anyway, back to the lion. Uh, the righteous, the Bible says, are as bold as a lion. Okay? A bad conscience makes men timid, but the righteous can be truly bold. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. When we ask this question sometimes, or just in light of that verse, are you wicked or are you righteous? Are you a wicked person or are you, are you a righteous person? Because, again, this is going to determine whether we live afraid or whether we live confident and bold. And how many understand? A lot of times if people honestly answer. Some of you, many of you know the Scripture, so you know where we're going. But if people honestly answer, am I wicked or am I righteous? A lot of times people would want to choose the middle. Well, I'm not, like, totally bad, but I'm not, like, totally good either. I'm, like, kind of in the middle. I don't want to call myself just wicked evil, but I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I can just say that I'm perfectly righteous either. But here's the deal. In the kingdom of God, in Christ, you're either one or the other. Okay? When I say in the kingdom, you're either in the kingdom or you're not. When a person receives the Lord Jesus, biblically speaking now, they become instantly 100% righteous. The Lord literally abolishes all sin and all evil and everything that's wrong, and He makes us clean, washed. And so we are not considered now, we, we cannot be called evil or wicked. This gives us the potential of living bold. But how many understand? Again, even if a person has been made righteous by the Lord, if they don't know the mouse is sitting right next to them, they're not going to do anything with it. If they don't know about this, they are going to still live in fear, in, with timidity. They cannot act like the person they are. I remember I heard a story recently of a, a guy who went to heaven, and uh, he met with Peter. And uh, Peter was at the pearly gates. And Peter told him, um, I've got to ask you about your life. And uh, if you tell me why you, know, you should be in heaven... Uh, you basically, you've got to get 100 points. If you get 100 points, uh, then, then you get to go to heaven. And if you don't, see ya, right? And, uh, and so this guy thought, okay. And, and Peter said to him, um, uh, why, why should you come to, why should you get into heaven? And he said, well, let's see. He said, well, I was, I was married to my wife for 40 years and I was faithful to her and I was always there for her. And the, and Peter said, very good, good. One point. And he immediately was taken back, and he, he, th- he thought a little bit more about it, and he said, well, I was, you know, I was faithful to my church, and uh, I was committed, and I helped, and I served, and he said, good, one point. And he's getting nervous, and he went on to say something. He said, I tithed. I was a giver. I gave my money into the kingdom of God. He gave him another point. And after several things, you know, he's thinking and racking his brain about this. Uh, he's up to like five or six points. And he's like, oh, i got to get to 100. Man, he, he finally said, there's no way I'm getting in here except for by the grace of God. Peter said, you're in. 
How many understand that's how it works? <laughs> You're never going to get close with how good you are. But by the grace of God, we enter right in. Let's read this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who's he talking about here? The unrighteous. All right? Wicked. Unrighteous. They're Understand what righteous means. If you're righteous, it means you're right. You're right with God. You're unrighteous, there's a problem. You're not right with God. You don't have right standing. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He explains. He said, do, you not, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Now, sometimes people get confused when they read scriptures like this. They think, okay, I've received the Lord, I'm saved, but I just found myself in that list. Ah, junk. What does that mean? Are you righteous or are you unrighteous? Are you saved or lost? It really means the same thing. Are you righteous or unrighteous? He, he says about them, he says, and such, in other words, some of these examples that describe the unrighteous person, he said, some of you used to be this way. Such were some of you. What's were mean? Past tense means they're not anymore. He goes on to say, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But here's where sometimes, again, people trip up. They think, okay, I've been washed, I've been cleansed, but I did that yesterday. So what are you, righteous or unrighteous? The answer is this, you are righteous. Say, but I did it before church. (laughs) I was coveting some car that drove past me. Hmm? Let's not separate these things and act like that's okay, but adultery is evil. They're put in the same list, right? So I don't want to act like some things are just, they're good because it's acceptable. Anyway, uh, a person said, I did, it this, I did one of those things this morning, so what am I? Am I righteous or unrighteous? Again, the scripture said, and such were some of you. Here's the, here, here's the key to understanding this, though. If you read the whole book of 1 Corinthians, you will find out that some of these people, some of these, some of you's, were still acting that way. They were still doing some of the things that he listed in there, yet he said, you're not that way anymore. Even though they still had some of these problems, and and I don't mean to minimize sin, they were still committing acts of sin, he still called them righteous. Because in Christ, you're not that old dog and that old turkey you used to be. You're not the person who is by nature a heathen, a, you know, a sinner, a covetous person, an adulterer, a fornicator, or whatever else you want to find in there. That's not who you are, even if you've committed an act of one of these particular sins. Why do I need to know this? I need to be mindful and conscious that I am clean in Him. If I have that mindset, I can be bold. If I'm mindful of I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I fall short, I've blown it in this area, I'm going to be fearful. 
Why would I expect God to have my back if I'm just a good-for-nothing waste of the, waste of flesh, wasting the oxygen, just a total, you know what I'm saying? Why would I expect God to back me up when I go forward forward to do His work? But if I know that I'm in Christ, He sees me as washed and clean through Jesus, then I can stand up boldly before any person and come boldly even before the throne of God and know that there's no guilt or shame or anything missing in my life. Scripture says He has forever perfected us. Praise the Lord. All right, 1 John 4. 1 John 4. So understand now, if you've been born again, if you've received the Lord, you are not wicked, but righteous. Knowing that not only will help you live that way, but it will also help you to walk in complete confidence and boldness. I understand this, that when, when we say things like this, and you, many of you know I've taught longer series on that particular principle in the past, uh, but it goes cross-grain to what many Christians hear in, in, uh, in the body of Christ today. People are constantly reminded and told how you're a sinner. They're told even though you've come to the Lord, you're still just a sinner. And it all, it's like this idea that we can't uh, acknowledge perfect right standing with God as if somehow we're in, you know, we're coming up into God's space and, you know, intruding on areas that we're not supposed to. No, this is the work of God. I could never have done it myself. I could never have made myself this way. But I must, in my honor to Him, acknowledge that it's true. Acknowledge that His blood that was shed for me absolutely worked. And I'm not going to refer to myself and call myself an old sinner that's just been saved by grace. No, I've been changed. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. Uh, A cousin of mine put on her her Facebook recently, she, she wrote... I'm a great sinner, and Jesus is a great Savior. And I was like, ah, ah, I just couldn't help myself. (laughs) I had to respond. Even though this is a good person and everything, I said, I was a great sinner, but my great Savior changed me. He washed me and made me clean and made me the righteousness of God who was in Christ. And I started giving scriptures. And don't you hate it when people give you Bible verses? And, and the Bible totally gets in the way of what you believe. <laughs> but I tell you what, it is a new way of thinking. But if we really want to come before the Lord with absolute boldness and confidence, we can't be walking around feeling bad about ourselves. I feel like a dirty dog. I feel like a turkey. I'm just such a waste. Man, you'll never be bold that way. We've got to get past and say, what I've done, even if it was five minutes ago, is under the blood of Jesus. He's washed and cleansed me. I'm fully accepted in His sight. Every time God looks at me, He sees me through Jesus. And He's made me right. This will change your prayer life. It will change your, your stance and your confidence before man and God. We have people sometimes come in. You might be one of them. But, you know, come into church and at the, at the first little bit, they'll hardly look you in the eye. It's just, you just wonder, man, what's wrong? Something's really beat this person up. They don't really don't like themselves. You talk to them and it's just, hi. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of odd. But I've noticed with some over a period of time, usually not too long. 
over a period of time, all of a sudden there's a new shine. There's a new confidence. There's a new, I'm okay. Not because they're okay by themselves, but they realize I'm in Jesus. And the entrance of his word, the Bible says, gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And I so value and treasure the entrance of God's word in my life. 1 John 4.17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now that sounds like serious, like boldness in, on judgment day. I mean, isn't judgment day like fear and trepidation? Is it like, ah, I'm not really looking forward to the whole judgment thing. Scripture says that we may have boldness, confidence. That means I'm going to judgment day with zero fear, completely fearless. That's possible. That's the way it's supposed to be because love has been perfected in us. He goes on to say, because. This is why that's the case. This is why that's true. As he is, now he there is Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. Listen, he didn't say it this way. As the Lord is, as Jesus is, so you will be someday. Someday in the sweet by and by, you're going to be just like him. He said, as he is, so are we right now. That's an amazing statement. That's quite an outstanding principle and concept that right now, today, I'm just like Jesus. But not only is that true... It is absolutely necessary if I'm going to live a bold life. Again, I cannot have this concept and mindset about myself that I'm a dirty rascal, that I'm just always falling short. Now, I will realize that my mind and my body, it's a work in progress. But I also realize that I am a born-again spirit. I'm a child of God, and God relates to me through the blood of Jesus, and that alone, and nothing I do changes that, and I'm so, so I'm completely clean before Him. Otherwise, man, I'm going before God, and I'm going like this. Huh? I mean, think about it. If you were to stand before the throne of God right now, just, just like that, you were t- translated, and you're standing right before the throne of God. How many believers, how many Christians would be, uh, would be saying things like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about this. Sorry, 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 sorry about this. And, uh, and, uh, and, and saying things like, I'm so unworthy or I'm so... Uh, we would, many people would approach God that way, but I guarantee you, He would not respond in like, in like manner. That says, yeah, you're a dirty rascal. Get down. No, He would be responding something like this. Stand up on your feet. I have made you worthy. I have made you clean. My blood has washed you and made you righteous. Stand up tall. Amen. Amen. That's the way the Lord would respond. Let's not let our thinking override His Word. Exalt our thoughts and our mind to become God. And we're going to say, oh, I'm just nothing. Knock it off. If you're in Him, you're something special. You've been washed and cleansed. And the Lord wants you to approach Him. Shoulders up, back, head up. Not proud, not arrogant, nothing like that. Humbly acknowledging that what He did worked. Amen. And so again, as the scripture says, we are, as he is, so we are in this world. And, uh, and this is the way we approach him. Let me give you two more scriptures along this line, and uh, I won't have you turn to them. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Again, how do I access him? How do I come before him? Boldly and confidently, because I'm in him. And then Hebrews 4.16 
It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How do I approach his throne? Boldly. That means absolutely fearless, with great confidence. I know I'm accepted. I know he's got my back. I know he's there every time. All right, here's number two. Number two, how to live a bold life. Number two, have something to say. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6. We must have something to say. The Apostle Paul was writing to the Ephesians, talking about prayer, telling them to pray. And he said in verse 19, And for me, meaning pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, that word utterance comes from a Greek word logos, which is, simply means a word. He's praying or asking them, pray for me that God would fill my mouth with words. Why? So that I can open my mouth boldly. Watch this. When you know what to say, it's easy to be bold. When you don't know what to say, that's when we, we, we back off. It's when we're more timid. Think about if you were, uh, if you were in school for many of you, it was a long, long time ago, and uh, try to remember. You were in school, and, the, and then the teacher said, we're going to have a, a, a pop spelling quiz here today. We're going to do it live, and uh, she called, he or she called your name, had you stand up, and said, I'm going to give you a word. I want you to spell it. Everybody ready for this? You're standing up in front of class. Everyone's looking at you, ready for the word, and she said, I want you to spell dog how many are getting nervous <laughs> I think probably uh, all of us would stand up tall D O G dog and we wouldn't sweat sweat at all we'd confidently proclaim how to spell dog but if she gave us, or he or she gave us another word, maybe it was a little bit more complicated than dog. You know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious or something. <laughs> or spell synecdoche. <laughs> How many are getting nervous? <laughs> How many are a little bit more timid now when you, when you come up against a different word like that? Why? Why is that, that the case? Because you don't know what to say. When we know what to say, and it's elementary and as simple as dog, I can do that. But when we don't have words, that's when we're shy about it, okay? How can I know what to say? Two main ways. We're talking about winning other people to the Lord with the gospel. Every Christian should know at least a few salvation scriptures that you could pull out just like that. Everybody with me? If someone were to come to me right now or someone were to flag me down and say, uh, Pastor, I want to get saved. I want to get saved right now. What, what do I need to do? I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. What, what, what can happen here? And, uh, and I said, great. Why don't you go out with, why don't you take him out and go out in the back and lead that person to the Lord? Could I do that with you? Could I do that with any person? Now, if you're a believer, that ought to be okay. Because, I mean, you, you don't have to convince anybody. 
the person already knows. They're under conviction. All you need to do is share with them something like Romans 10, 9 and 10. Here's what the Bible says. Let's do this right now. And pray with them. They'd be born again within a matter of seconds. Right? And so how can I have words to speak so I can be bold? The first thing is just to simply know how to be born again. How to lead someone to the Lord if they're already ready. No scriptures like that. Or Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, John 3.3. You should be able to pull a few verses and know them all the time. Okay? However, we, we all know that many times that's not the way it happens. I haven't had too many people run up to me in the mall. What must I do to be saved? Usually, uh, usually, you know, you're going to talk to people. And uh, so what, do I, what, what should I do? I believe we should do exactly what Paul talked about here. We pray for ourselves and we trust God that he will give us words. Because, again, not every word is the same word that works with one person as works with another person. And so I should be praying for you. And you pray for me. We pray for ourselves. Pray for each other. What? That God would fill our mouth with words. So when I talk to someone, I have the right thing to say. When I know what to say, what's the result? Boldness. What's the result of boldly proclaiming God's word? Power. Things happen. There are results. Timidly proclaiming it, you may not get anything. Bold is a faith word. As long as we speak the word, right? No, as long as we speak it in faith. As long as we believe that it's active and alive and producing in someone's life, that's when it works. That's when it produces something. Okay, everybody with me? All right, that's number two. You got to have something to say. And here's number three. Number three, uh, Acts chapter four. Turn there with me. Acts chapter four. Number three is we must live full of the Spirit. If you want to live a bold life, you've got to be full of the Spirit of God. Now, watch how, how this works. This is, a, a, again, not just something that's nebulous and out there we can't really explain and can't really understand. This is a true way of living. You can live full of the Spirit, or you can live in your own strength and your own might. You can live in the flesh, even though you're born again. All right, that's called being mindful of, of, of the flesh and so forth. But uh, over here in Acts, church was just started. Man, these guys were going crazy with the gospel. Yay, having great things happen. And they were being persecuted. And they're already being threatened. Don't you do this anymore. You don't talk about the name of Jesus anymore. And so what they did is they got together and they began to pray. Verse 29, here's, here's their prayer. It says, Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now, I like that prayer already so far. Because I don't know about you, but some of us might be tempted. Lord, behold their threats and wipe them off the planet. (laughs) I mean, just rid us of this evil and these wicked people. (laughs) But I like that they weren't even praying, Lord, deliver us from, from these... Uh, people in this persecution i'm impressed with this they said man they're threatening us lord make us bolder fill us with boldness we're not backing down we're going to go right back into this so fill us with boldness that's a good prayer man if i could pray anything and i can 
<laughs> but if I could say, what would you want? If you, if you would ask me, what, would you, what do you want to be in all the people of Life Church? I'm going to tell you, I want to make you a bold Christian. It'll make you pray effectively. It'll make you a, a strong witness and testimony for the Lord. Filled with boldness. Is there such a thing as God filling a person with boldness? There absolutely is. And some consider themselves, man, I'm just more of a shy person. I'm more introverted. God can make an introverted person bold. He really can. Now, now look at what they said, though. I find this interesting. They said, make us bold to speak your word by by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, I find that interesting. I think about that process, and that makes sense. If I could get God to just stretch out his hand and I could show up in front of a bunch of heathens and God would just start healing people and miracles would just start popping everywhere and all then I could come in right behind that follow that up with this is the word of the Lord this was what God's word says that would be really cool that also would be really really easy on me right I think most of us we would always accept that challenge the Lord says, I want you to go share the gospel uh, in, your, in the lunchroom at work. If we could get God to go in there first, <laughs> knock them all out, you know, or just start healing people, and then we just go in there and explain how, why that happened. Wouldn't that be easy? I can understand why they prayed this way. But what's interesting to me is God did not answer it the way they prayed it. He didn't go on after this, verse 31, And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and God stretched forth His hand and healed all. And signs and wonders were wrought. What happened? The way God answered their prayer for boldness, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, what about the miracles? What about the signs and wonders? Here's, here's how these kind of things work. Signs and wonders and miracles follow bold proclamation of God's word. They don't precede it. Even though I, I don't doubt that it would give a person confidence when God was on display, aside from them, God just doesn't seem to work that way. The Bible says in Mark 16 that they went out, after Jesus commissioned them, they went out everywhere and preached the word. And signs and wonders followed them. The Lord confirmed what? The word with signs and wonders following. It wasn't that God went out and did signs and wonders and they followed it up with a message. No, it is the bold proclamation of God's word that produces miracles. That's why the Lord answers and responds to our desire for all this kind of stuff with filling us with His Spirit. When He fills us with His Spirit, we speak boldly and God is on display. Amen. And the bold Word of God comes out and 
bodies are healed and lives are changed and people are forgiven and, and there's joy where there was sorrow and there was peace where there was confusion. This is when God manifests himself. But it always is hinging on the word of God preached boldly. Now, don't confuse boldness with loudness or don't think it's arrogant or you have to spit a little bit like I do from time to time. That's why some of you sit in the back. Uh, it's, bold can be quiet, but it's fearless. It's confident. It knows that there is tremendous power in every word spoken from God. That when I let it go out of my mouth, it's going to impact and hit the heart of another person. And they're going to be changed. Amen. Someone said, I've already been filled with the Spirit. So had these people. These people were filled in Acts chapter 2. They were baptized in the Spirit, spoke in tongues. Right? What's happening here? They're getting a refilling. They're getting a refreshing. God's doing a work in them again. And I tell you what, we need to live that way. This is how you live a Spirit-filled life. Of course, that's a whole message in and of itself. But it's called daily spending time in worship and letting psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs come out of your mouth according to Ephesians 5. You sing and you worship the Lord. You speak in in an unknown tongue and you can live a Spirit-filled life. What does that result in? boldness man I know who I am in Christ I know I'm right in right standing with him God's got my back every single day and I know what to say he fills my mouth with words gives me utterance and now I'm filled with his spirit and the devil is in trouble I tell you what those people you've been praying for those people in your family those heathens you live by they are in trouble and I say in trouble in a good way because uh, God's about to be on display in their life He's about to show himself strong because I'm simply going to confidently and boldly, fearlessly tell him how much the Lord loves him. Tell him how, uh, how, how, the, how that the Lord Jesus gave his life so they could be free. Amen. Amen. It's this bold proclamation that makes the difference. One last scripture right there in Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Acts 4.13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. Peter, just a short time before this, was putting his foot in his mouth. He was rebuking Jesus one day. And then right before the cross, he was denying the Lord. And now he's standing up there as a different person. He's filled with God's Spirit. And he's a bold witness and a bold testimony and they're going what in the world is that what's this about what's with the why are these guys so bold and someone said they were with jesus they took note that that was their association amen you might not be something so confident and fearless in yourself but i tell you in the lord you are in the lord that potential is there and in the lord and his spirit filling you man you'll do things you'll ne- you never would have thought possible you may have friends and family that knew you years past, and they'll think, what? You're different. Yeah, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Amen. And I believe he's doing this to this end. He loves us, and that's great, and it's going to elevate our lives. But to the, the end result is this, not just that I feel better about myself. Someone else is changed. Another person who was going to spend an eternity without God is now on the pathway of life. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for every person now, for the life of God in us. Thank you for the the work of your Spirit in our hearts to equip and prepare us to be mightily used for you. 
I thank you for your goodness. Oh, your mighty grace. And your spirit doing tremendous things in us now. Lord, we purpose in our hearts to delight in your will and in your ways and in all that is right and good. And I thank you for filling our mouths. I pray even now, Father, that that boldness, that each and every one here would be filled with boldness to speak your word. I thank you for the empowering, the anointing of your Holy Spirit that fills, anoints, and equips us to do your will. Praise God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit upon us. You're doing great things through us. We honor you and bless you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for those who have come to church today that have never been saved.